Well, hello, everyone, and good morning, and welcome to another edition of Livestream Sunday School for Akron Alliance Fellowship Church in Akron, Ohio. We appreciate you being here this morning. My name is Melvin Gaines. We're going to allow uh, time now for everyone to get settled, grab a cup of coffee, and get going uh, with music this morning from the House of Hope, True Praise. We appreciate you being here this morning, and thank you so much. Good morning, Miss Lynn Gaines. Thanks for being here, everybody. It's 9.30, time to give praise and worship, along with Sunday School. Hey, Ronnie, good morning. Thanks for being here. Mr. Gaines and Delia, good morning. Welcome. Amen. Amen. Brother Roscoe, good morning. <laughs> Jackie, good morning. Thanks for being here. Appreciate you being here this morning. Miss Laura, good morning. Glad you could make it. Appreciate you being here. <laughs> That's right, Jackie. Amen. He is worthy of our praise. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Jesus.
ให้นั่งGod is good all the time. Amen. Anitra, good morning. Thank you so much for joining us this morning. Appreciate you being here. Oh, you mean for me, a small cup? It's deceiving. It holds a lot. I, the coffee I have, I, I have a lot of coffee. I, I drink enough coffee, period. Try not to drink it all day. This actually holds the same amount of coffee that that larger, the larger mug holds. I don't have it full. If I did that, I wouldn't be able to get through a broadcast. I'd have to run out. <laughs> God is good. He is worthy of our praise. Amen. <laughs> Starbucks. Amen. Starbucks is still number one for me. cut that short there just for us because we need to get into our Sunday school material and get into our lesson for today. Uh, that was House of Hope, uh, their version of True Praise, and we indeed appreciate you being here. We, are, um, we have a few announcements to cover. 
uh, first of all, before we get started. Um, the message for today will be uh, delivered by Pastor Gus. Um, you will be able to see that message if you stay uh, tuned here online on our Facebook page for our live uh, worship service broadcast. That's approximately 11 o'clock, so you just stay tuned for that and you will see um, his message at that time. Uh, we've done some work with the audio and we try to make sure that everything comes through as clearly as possible when we do the live church service, so we appreciate you staying tuned. For those who are not going to be here in Akron, you're welcome come to church, rather, you're, you're welcome to stay tuned online for that uh, here in the Akron Alliance Fellowship Facebook page timeline. Facebook is our primary channel that we use for our live broadcasts. We certainly also invite you to look up our YouTube channel. Akron Alliance Fellowship is also on YouTube, and that's where we will find our pre-recorded material as well, too. But uh, we found that uh, we're getting more and more views on YouTube, which is what uh, my conversation with another pastor in the area said, you probably would get more views on YouTube because that's just the way YouTube is. Um, so that's, it seems to be increasing a little bit more. But uh, we appreciate you looking up us up for here on Facebook and also on YouTube uh, as well. For today, uh, in addition, we will be having a Zoom Bible study later today at 5 o'clock. Uh, that is for those individuals who already have submitted their email addresses, and we will have a Zoom Bible study at 5 o'clock Eastern, 2 o'clock Pacific time. Uh, if you, for whatever reason, have not submitted your email address for an invitation to our Zoom Bible study, you will need to have Zoom installed on your device first before you participate. But submit your email address if you want to be involved to uh, Akron Alliance, all one word, Alliance at gmail.com. And we will be happy to get you an invitation to come. Zoom is free. It doesn't cost you anything to use it or enjoy it. Um, that is something that um, more and more people seem to be uh, in, involved with the newer technology. And we thought that the Zoom Bible study is a good way to get people involved and, and keep you focused on God's word, which leads me back to the whole premise of why we have Sunday school, the whole premise of why we have this online content as well, too. We, as a people of God, have to be in the Word. We cannot allow distractions of the world to take the focus off of what's most important, and that's our personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Uh, that is what we need to be focused on and what we need to stay focused on. That, at the end of the day, is really all that matters uh, when it comes to things that are taking place in this world. We, we really need to make, be focused on God's Word. That is... I'm convicted to say it. I'm going to keep saying it. I'm going to keep emphasizing it. Um, and so that is why we have the content that we do. That is why we do what we do. Um, and make sure somebody's okay back over there. <laughs> um, but we appreciate you giving that consideration as well, too. Please remember your tithes and offerings. We uh, certainly uh, appreciate everyone who is giving prayerful consideration in the aspect of uh, giving uh, worship giving. And so that is something that's very important as well, too. If you are mailing your tithes or offerings, please do so to Akron Alliance Fellowship, 688 Diagonal Road, Akron, Ohio, 44320. We appreciate you being here. Next Sunday, just as a brief reminder, too, we will be having um, 
another edition of Open Mic Sunday School for those uh, individuals who are here in the church. For those of you online, there will be a Sunday School Extra for you to look at, which will be pre-recorded. But if you're coming to church in Akron, you're welcome to come and join us while we have an Open Mic Sunday School. That means that uh, another gentleman is going to be presenting Sunday School in the morning, and I'll get to sit and listen to him, uh, which will be great. And we certainly invite others as well, too, to get involved and uh, look at teaching Sunday School. It is not the, uh, as the other gentleman learned from the last time he did it, it's not the horrific experience that he thought it would be, and he, uh, he's, he's survived. He's still intact. He's right here. No one, no one shredded him up or anything like that. We don't do that anyway, but it's good to, for people to know that if you really can't go wrong if you've got God's Word in front of you and you're speaking about God's Word before a group of people and just having a conversation about what God is saying. You can't go wrong. Uh, that's exactly what... We do here. That's what we're doing right now. And so I want to invite people as well, too, to consider how God can speak to you and use you in this day and age where we need to be prepared to be able to speak God's truth to others. Um, I'm convicted to say this as well, too. You know, sometimes we talk about how churches are, are losing uh, population, losing people coming into church. And... Have you considered, and maybe it's worth consideration, that if we are not prepared to speak to people about Jesus because we're not in the Word the way we should be, then that may be a consideration to take uh, to make about our preparation. Our preparation has to be at the forefront. In other words, you have to prepare to take a test. You've got to prepare and study in a classroom to be able to take a test. Take a test. I don't care if it's a multiple choice test. You have to still prepare for it. You still have to study. And if we aren't studying, then how are we going to speak to people about Jesus? And do so and relate the word to what you believe personally or what, you, what, what impact Jesus has had in your life and speak about that. You have to be able to put the two of them together and speak and articulate those things. Stay in the word, everybody. Stay in front of truth. That is the call for today that we must follow because God wants us to be faithful and look at what his word says. And that's exactly what we're going to do today. Because there's further instruction taking place with Jesus' disciples. We're going to go ahead and look at Sunday school now and refer to the book of John, chapter 14, verses 1 through 14. But let's go ahead and get started with a word of prayer. Father, we thank you again for your presence this morning. We thank you for the teaching that you're going to give to us through the power of the Holy Spirit. Lord, at the end of the day, your word is all that really matters. Your word is eternal. It has always been present through the power of the Lord Jesus Christ. May we seek his truth because he indeed is truth. May we understand exactly what Jesus says to us. And may we internalize and truly grow in our relationships with you, Lord, that we can articulate when someone asks or if there's a need to speak, if the Spirit prompts us, we'll be ready to say what needs to be said. At the end of all, it all, we have to be ready to preach the gospel, speak the truth. And we thank you, Lord, for your truth in this area. Bless us now, Lord, and we give you thanks and give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. 
Turn your Bibles and electronic devices to John chapter 14. Let's look at verses 1 through 14. Now, I will say this. Um, I have suggested and reminded people about the importance of looking at uh, different commentaries when we study passages like this. And you can, um, if you were to study J. Vernon McGee's version of the commentary on this section of the Bible, it's several pages long. Um, And that's fine. I think what he tries to do in this particular study is he puts a lot of personal anecdotes in with the study to make it relatable to the reader. Sometimes that's helpful, sometimes it isn't. I'm not saying that it's not valuable. It doesn't have value or, or anything like that. But I think sometimes it just gets right down to looking at what the Word says and then speaking in plain English and in plain language what is being said here. So let's start with John chapter 14, verse 1. I'm going to read through all the way to verse 14. And the context here, of course, is that this is the communication after the closeout of chapter 13 where Judas had departed from the disciples. And then Peter made his comment, I will, you know, never, I'll die for you. And, and of course, Jesus gave the retort and the answer to that, that in fact, in fact, you're not going to do any such thing. You're going to deny me. But now it, Jesus is going to give words that are reassuring to his disciples and also, we would hope, reassuring for us. Amen? If we're paying attention to what he's saying. Let's look at verse 1. John 14, verse 1. And please follow along in your version. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God and also trust in me. There is more than enough room in my Father's home. If this were not so, would I have told you that I am going to prepare a place for you? Verse 3, when everything is ready, I will come and get you so that you will always be with me where I am. And you know the way to where I am going. Verse 5, no, we don't know, Lord, Thomas said. We have no idea where you're going. So how can we know the way? Verse 6, Jesus told him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. If you had really known me, you would know who my Father is. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Verse 8, Philip said, Lord, show us the Father and we will be satisfied. Jesus replied, Have I been with you all this time, Philip, and yet you still don't know who I am? Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father, so why are you asking me to show him to you? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words I speak are not my own, but my Father who lives in me does his work through me. Verse 11, just believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. Or at least believe because of the work you have seen me do. I tell you the truth, anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done and even greater works because I am going to be with the Father. You can ask for anything in my name and I will do it so that the Son can bring glory to the Father. Yes, ask me any, for anything in my name and I will do it. Okay, that's John chapter 14 verses 1 through 14. And of course, there are certain parts of, the, of this passage that are going to need clarification just to make sure that we're not making any assumptions about who Jesus is. First of all, 
And just at the very end of this, we're talking about asking anything in his name that he will do it. Well, that doesn't mean that Jesus is a genie. Uh, he's not going to be you know, making a wish based upon your, your desires or what you would like to do. And we'll teach that a little bit later. But essentially, just remember this. If you are obedient to God's will and in the will of the Father, he will grant you what you ask. If you are prayerful and mindful of who the Father is, being obedient to God and his will, he will respond to that. And when you have understanding of what God's will is for your life, you're not going to be looking at selfish desires. You're not going to be looking at doing things that are not relevant to the kingdom. Amen? I mean, that's really what that comes down to. But we'll circle back to that if I, in case I forget to mention it later. And we have to watch the time here as well, too. Let's go back to the top. John chapter 14, verse 1. And understand that we're going to have several chapters of Jesus communicating here truths about who he is the miracle things are done all that stuff's done that's all been put to the side now we're now at the point where we have that last supper and we're now going to be just communicating jesus is going to be communicating his truth to the disciples and and of course relevantly to us as we read his word but what's the word that really jumps out here the one well the word is truth and it's about believing in him because he is truth and all he is doing is communicating this love he has for the disciples. He loves them. He is also referring to now about the Father. The Father being God the Father. We have to recognize that that is part of the Godhead. And God the Father is a relevant uh, section of this passage. Here. He's making sure that people understand because the teaching had been up until that point that they had understood that they had to worship God. Well, who is God? God the Father. And that's what exactly now he's making this statement to the people now that believe in him because he is a reflection of the Father, the invisible God. He is, the, in fact, the one who has this relationship with him. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Now let's go back to the top. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God and also trust in me. Trust is an implied way that we recognize who he is in truth. Verse 2, there is more than enough room in my father's home. If this were not so, would I have told you that I am going to prepare a place for you? When everything is ready, I will come and get you so that you will always be with me where I am. What is he saying here? Well, first of all, what is the room in his father's home. When we talk about the father's home, it really is interesting. There's no real limitation to God's home, where he resides. Ultimately, we automatically put him in a place called heaven. And when Jesus, you know, ascended to the right hand of the father, it's implied that he is in heaven. But it's, there's no limitation to that as far as heaven is concerned. Heaven is this vast expanse that we can't begin to describe. But what we do know is that when we leave here, we go from the physical realm to the spiritual realm. And that spiritual realm, when we close our eyes in death, we are automatically in that spiritual realm. And we are automatically transported where absent from the body, present with the Lord when we die. This Father's home. And he's saying there's more than enough room in my Father's home. In other words, it's not going to be crowded. It's not going to be cramped. 
There's plenty of room. There's plenty of room for every person who believes in the Lord Jesus Christ. And if this were not so, would I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you? Jesus is speaking truth about what his role is to say that we have a place with him and God the Father in heaven if we just believe in him. And that's coming later in the text here. When everything is ready, I will come and get you so that you will always be with me where I am. Now, interesting point here. Now, I don't want to veer off too much, but I want you to understand that when Jesus is saying when everything is ready, that means something has to take place before everything is ready. Amen? Something has to take place. What has to take place? His death, burial, and resurrection on the cross. But specifically in his death, we know that it, it is important for us to understand that he is preparing this place for us and all those who have died before him are in this place called Sheol, um, which uh, is the, there are two sides of Sheol, also Hades if you use the Greek term, two sides of it. Jesus, when he died, went to this place where all the previous people like Abraham Isaac, Jacob, all those were residing in this place, went to them and took them with him to heaven. The preparation was that he was now allowing, because of his death and sacrifice on the cross, all these people would be elevated and brought up to heaven with him. That's what he had to do. When everything is ready, I will come and get you so that you will always be with me where I am. He is speaking to every person who believes in him, past, present, and future. There's going to be a place in heaven for us. And that's a really deep study. And it's not, I can't get into all of that now, but I want you to look into that and recognize that a lot of people make the mistake to say that Jesus went to the other side of Sheol, which was hell, the place, the burning place. He did not do any such thing. That had already been settled for those individuals. Those people were going to be in that place. But for those who had died prior to that, he went to those individuals and took them. When everything is ready, I will come and get you so that you will always be with me where I'm going. And you know the way to where I am going. And so he's telling us, first and foremost, he's telling us his words mean eternal life. Eternal life with the Father. Eternal life with Jesus Recognize that we are all created as eternal beings. Amen? When you were created, you were created as an eternal being. The issue is, is if you don't believe in Jesus and you, trust, you don't believe or trust in him, which many people have done, then you have eternal separation from God. Eternal separation from God. So it's important for you to believe in Jesus. That's why we put so much emphasis on we have to speak the truth about who Jesus is and we have to do so in such a way where prayerfully the Spirit also tells that person. But I, I really believe that a lot of people, the Spirit does speak to them, but the Spirit is rejected when they choose to deny Jesus. Because it's God's desire for all people to come to a saving knowledge of Jesus. Why would he summarily not speak to somebody about that? I think at the end of the day, people decide they want to follow or they don't. So here comes Thomas, verse 5. No, we don't know, Lord, 
Thomas said, we have no idea where you are going, so how can we know the way? Now, there's very, it's very important for us to see here in verse 6, which is a memory verse for, for those of us who have been in the Word long enough. Jesus told him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. There are absolutes in this entire passage. What are the absolutes? I am the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus himself, believing in him, he is the way to heaven. There is no other way. He is making an absolute statement. He's making a statement that's very clear in this situation. He's trying to tell Thomas, how do you know the way? Jesus is the way. It's an absolute statement. And it says, no one can come to the Father except through me, which means there's no side passageway or back alley move that you can make to get to God to get around it and leave Jesus out of it. Jesus is the way. No one can come to the Father except through me. He's preparing the way for eternal life by dying on the cross for us. And what he's trying to show us here is that he's trying to tell us the only real issue that we have in this situation is our willingness to believe that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Believing in him. And you know what? That's a huge obstacle for a lot of folks. Believing in Jesus is a huge obstacle. You better believe that Satan does not want you to have confidence that Jesus is the only way, truth, and the life. And all, he, all Satan will do is just keep putting up there those different say, well, it, it can't be just that way. It can't be just Jesus doing it. What about being a good person? Well, what does the scripture say about being a good person? All have sinned and fall short of God's glory. How are you a good person if you are falling short of God's glory? And he's telling us this in his word to basically inform us that we have no other way to the Father except through Jesus. We are just being, everything else is being completely obliterated for consideration. And I love how Jesus says, I, I've got a place for you prepared. I'm going to come and get you. He promises it to everybody who believes in him. And we don't really know much about eternity. We, we know about what we've read in Scripture. We've got a snapshot of it based upon pictures of the New Jerusalem, what it means to be involved. I mean, when Jesus returns here on earth, that's, only for, that's for a thousand years, but that's not eternal. We don't really have a picture of what that really is. And the reason for that is because we only have so much understanding, everybody. We, we are created. We know we're going to live here for a time and we're going to die. So our concept of eternity is, frankly, left to our imagination based upon what we read in Scripture. We do know eternity means forever. We know what it represents and we know what it means. But... We don't need to worry about what it means. We want that eternity with who? None other than Jesus Christ. That's the eternity we want. The alternative is not acceptable for us as believers. Believing in Jesus 
means we have eternal life with him. But if we don't believe in Jesus, then you really are. You really should be concerned about where your eternity is. But, and many people, you know, sadly, you know, we talk about people in history who we know who have either had doubts about who God is or have removed themselves from the faith. I wonder what they believed at the end of the day. And what they believe, they're going to get. They're going to realize it. They're going to see it. I think during my um, Sunday School Extra, I'm going to do the study once again about the rich man and Lazarus. I think it's worth doing that study again. Uh, because every time I do that study with the rich man and Lazarus, the two different viewpoints, a person who is the lowliest of persons versus one who has high esteem, that person becomes less significant and almost irrelevant in torment. And Lazarus is elevated to the place of Abraham's bosom. But that study about how even we are conscious after death, we recognize and feel certain things. It is a fascinating study if you really think about it. But we need to see that our transformation from the physical to the spiritual is instantaneous. It's instantaneous. There is no question about it. In death, we make a transition literally immediately. There's no holding place. There's no green room. There's nothing uh, to sit back and wait for. It happens immediately. That's why it's important for us to understand when God says, and Jesus says that He is the way to eternal life and to believe in Him, He means it. He stresses it. He emphasizes it. And we can look forward to it. And John chapter 14, verse 6 is one of the most basic and important passages in Scripture. How can we know the way to God? It's through Jesus Christ. Jesus is the way because He is both God and man. Fully God and fully man at the time He is speaking. Lowering Himself so that He could be the eternal sacrifice for us because, as it says in John chapter 3, verse 16, God loves the world that He gave His only begotten Son. He lowered Himself, made Himself lower than the angels, made Himself lower to be one of us, a human being, to be the perfect sacrifice for us. If we follow Jesus, if we trust Jesus, and Jesus is alive, amen? Jesus is alive. He's a living. He's living right now. If we trust Jesus, He is going to show us the benefits when we call ourselves God's children because we believe in Jesus, that is literally true. We are God's children because we believe in Him. Don't you wish everybody who hears God's truth would believe in Jesus?
For those who want to make an argument that John 14.6 is too restrictive, too narrow, but I love the comment here, it's not narrow at all, it's wide enough for the whole world. One, believing in Him, it's wide enough for the entire world to believe in Him, for everyone to believe in Him. And if the world chooses to accept it, fair enough. They choose not to. You want to get hung up in semantics. You want to get hung up and say, well, there's got to be other ways to do it. Whether, you know, what about following Buddha? What about it? Well, what about it? What about following Buddha? Does Buddha promise you anything? All these other religions that are out there, they don't make any promises like this. They don't make any statements about your life after you leave here. Remember what I said. We go from physical to spiritual like that. Is there any mention about what other beliefs and other religions can provide for you as an assurance? If anything, they try to tell you, well, if you just keep working at it, you'll get better and better at what you're doing. Well, you know, we know that's just not true. It's just not true. We're going to be perhaps better when it comes to being obedient to the Lord that we sin less against Him if we just keep staying in His Word. But our flesh is incapable of being perfect before God. God has to provide the remedy for our salvation. He has to do it. Rather than worrying about how limited it is to say, well, Jesus is the only way, well, you should be saying, thank you, God, for providing us a way at all. Thank you, Jesus, for giving us a way at all to have a place with you and for loving us so much that he did that for us. Jesus is our path to the Father. Jesus is our way to the Father. He is the truth. He is the reality of all of God's promises. All 66 books in the Bible speak about Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is prophesied a couple hundred times, a couple three hundred times in the Old Testament. He's the fulfillment of the law that we speak about. He joins his divine life to ours, both now and eternally. Jesus is the only way to the Father. Okay, let's continue in the text because we've got a little bit more time left here. Verse 7. Back to John chapter 14, verse 7. If you had really known me, you would know who my Father is. From now on, he's making a declaration. Okay, now I told you I'm the way, the truth, and the life. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. So he's making it clear. He's reiterating it for his disciples. He's still teaching the disciples, everyone. You see how the questions are coming? We don't know, Lord. We don't know where you're going. Then Philip says in verse 8, Lord, show us the Father and we will be satisfied. Show us the Father. Now, how long has he been spending time with... How long has Jesus been spending time with his disciples? For about two years. Arguably, it's about a two-year period of time and training and teaching and... And, and let's face it, I, I don't, 
it is not in any way, shape, or form a criticism of the disciples. It's not. Because we have to come back and say, well, what would we be doing if we were in front of Jesus for two years? Would we be asking questions? There were many times they didn't say anything when Jesus taught something because they were either trying to figure out what it was being said or they didn't get it. And we have to come back and say, you know what, even Peter, when Peter said what he said in chapter 13, he was convinced he was going to die for Jesus. And what happened? Exactly the opposite. He did, he, in fact, he denied that Jesus was even around. And sometimes we have to see these things because we recognize that we can be very pious and say, well, what about these disciples that God chose, Jesus chose these people for a purpose? And what was their purpose? To carry on Jesus' message after he left. They were chosen specifically for that purpose. But they had to go through training. And we can even argue training by fire. Because sometimes that's the way we have to learn some things. Sometimes we have to go through training through fire. Training by fire. Tough circumstances. Life circumstances. Cancer. Illness. You talk about a real deepening of faith. When you get really sick, you've got all kinds of emotions going right then and there. You've got all kinds of things that you are wrestling with. And... We know in the case of Peter, after speaking so boldly, he was humiliated and had to go back and search his heart about what had just taken place. And sometimes we have to do the same thing. We can't assume anything. We have to recognize that sometimes we are going to learn easily and even through difficulty. And these disciples were going to go through that very thing to the point where they were so strengthened because of what Jesus had done and how much love he shared for them. Just about all of them died fulfilling their role and their purpose. They were martyred, but they did so willingly because that's exactly what they were strengthened to do, to be able to carry on that mission. That tells you about the opposition that we face. Amen. Satan is indeed a destroyer. He wants to destroy people who don't believe in Jesus. He wants to destroy them and he'll find numerous ways to do that. Thankfully, there's one way that we can overcome that, and that's through Jesus Christ. Back to verse 8 again. Philip said, Lord, show us the Father and we will be satisfied. Verse 9, Jesus replied, Have I been with you all this time, Philip, and yet you still don't know who I am? Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. So why are you asking me to show him to you? Everybody who had an encounter with Jesus in that day if they were looking correctly at who he was, they would recognize this man was sent from God. This man came from God. He came from above. This man was the son of God, like the centurion said when he died on the cross. Truly, this man was the son of God. If you're paying attention to who he was, you would recognize who he was. 
So by Philip asking the question, he still wasn't quite sure. He's being instructed. So verse 10. Now, this is a very important part of the passage as well, too. I want to emphasize this. Verse 10. Don't you believe that I am the Father and the Father is in me? The words I speak are not my own, but my Father who lives in me does his work through me. So now Jesus gives us an out for those who are struggling with this, looking at him and believing. Just believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or at least believe because of the work you have seen me do. Because we all learn and recognize differently. We all learn differently. There are different types of learning. It's interesting. I, I was, um, we had some interns come to work. Um, high school interns. Brilliant kids, by the way. Uh, one of them was from Shaker Heights. I had an interaction with a couple of them from Solon High School. And these, these kids were, you know, a couple of them were talking about going pre-law. <laughs> they know this in high school, right? They already figured it out. Pre-law, one is already involved with coding and wants to be involved with uh, computer engineering. Um, eventually wants to be a CEO. Very interesting thing about their learning. One of them, I noticed, the one who likes to code, she likes to draw at the same time. She's actually, it's a way of keeping her hands busy or whatever it is, but she was actually drawing on a piece of paper in front of her while I was giving information. And I had to, now with my history, I recognize things because I've been exposed to different things, right? So I, I, I just had to ask, this was about after a half hour into our conversation. And we spent three hours together, which flew by, by the way. I had to ask her, I said, you don't mind my asking, are you, are you ADD? And she said, yeah. Um, interestingly enough, and by the way, uh, she was um, Indian. And she said, yeah, um, a teacher tried to speak to my dad about that and about her mannerisms as she was learning. Brilliant, though. She could still process information while she's actually drawing on the paper. She could hear conversations and react to them and speak. Talked to it about her dad. The teacher taught me and said, the dad says, hmm, ADD? No such thing. I said, okay. So that's, it died there. Okay, you know, if, you, if, if the parent's not going to acknowledge it, then that's fine. But that's okay. She has a way of coping through the learning process. And the child is brilliant. And there are some people who learn differently. People who, have, who are very bright, but they may have attention deficit or, or, or some sort of hyperactivity. And there's different degrees of that because our brains are wired that way. We are all, many of us learn completely differently. And if Jesus is giving us these words, he's telling us, okay, I don't care how you believe, just believe. Whether you believe because you can look me in the face and say, I am the way, the truth, and the life, or believe because of the work you've seen me do. And we've seen the evidence of what God's work is in the Scriptures. Verse 12, I tell you the truth, anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done, and even greater works because I am going to be with the Father. What is he referring to here? We're not all going to die on the cross. Not that kind of work. 
But the works that he's talking about are the works of proclaiming the truth, the gospel, speaking the truth to other people. Those are the works that he's referring to. What was Jesus doing the entire time while he was there? Speaking the truth about who he was. Speaking the truth about what your relationship with, with the God truly can be because you believe in Jesus. He is saying he is the Father. He is the way, the truth, and the life. And he's not saying that the disciples are going to do greater works. He's just saying that they're going to be working in the power of the Holy Spirit because Jesus said, I have to leave here, but I'm going to give you the Spirit to help you to do this work. We have the indwelling, for those who believe in Jesus Christ, we have the indwelling Holy Spirit that helps us to be able to know exactly when we should speak to someone about who Jesus is. If we're yielding to the Spirit, He is going to tell you when to speak. He's going to tell you when to communicate. Because what you learn as you get more and more in God's will, you recognize that sometimes, just like when you're preparing food, you have to cook it a certain way, you maybe have to marinate it, you have to prepare it, you have to do all these things with the food before you put it on the grill and start cooking it. Because that does what? Enhances the flavor aspect of it. And sometimes people who need to hear about Jesus Christ have to be marinated, prepared, and, and all those things before they're ready to accept the truth about who Jesus is. But you know that because of the work of the Holy Spirit. In your flesh, you are not capable of understanding that. And we believers have to be very cautious about making sure that we don't allow ourselves to get caught up in fleshly thinking, trying to proclaim God's message. It won't work. All you're going to do is just get disappointed. Always act in the Spirit. The Spirit is the one who gets people to acknowledge the truth about Jesus Christ. And then verses 13 and 14, you can ask, wait, let me make sure, you, yeah, yeah. You can ask for anything in my name and I will do it so that the Son can bring glory to the Father. Yes, ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. Asking anything because you're in His will. You're in God's will. You understand what His will is. You, the request that you make will be in line with what he wants. And that's what you have to recognize here. Um, turn real quick to John chapter 15, verse 16. We are on the home stretch. I just want to make sure we cover that. John chapter 15, verse 16, which means you would be literally turning ahead in, your, in this uh, study. Very important, and we'll cover this in the future study. Verse 16 of John chapter 15. You did not choose me, but I chose you. I appointed you to go and produce fruit, and that your fruit should remain, so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give you. Whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give you. And we can add to that, that verse 17. This is what I command you. Love one another. It starts with loving one another. This whole way of speaking the truth about Jesus Christ starts and begins and ends with love. Loving one another. Jesus expressed a love for his disciples 
And he says, if you do anything according to his will, it's not about a magic formula. It's not about selfish desires where you ask about things from Jesus. You do so because you're in will with the Father. You understand what is most important. I'll let you look on your own about John chapter 16, verse 23. You can make a note of that uh, to look at as well, too. But the search for truth and reality in this world begins and ends in Jesus Christ. I don't care what else is going on in the world today. I don't care what else is happening. A lot of it, frankly, is just mumbo-jumbo. If you get right down to it, it doesn't have anything to do with your salvation. It doesn't have anything to do with people getting saved. So we have to recognize that that is what our role is as believers. Jesus is the way to the Father. He is speaking this truth to us. May we embrace this truth and truly build upon our present relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father, thank you again for your teaching. Thank you, Lord, for making your teaching relevant to us that we can understand it, quantify it, internalize it, and use it for your glory. We thank you, Lord, for what you're doing in our lives today. We thank you for your presence. We thank you for how the Spirit truly gives us what we need to be able to process this information and be able to use it, again, for your glory and purpose to have people who don't know you come to that saving knowledge of you. And Lord, we recognize that we indeed are absent from the body, present with the Lord because of our relationship with you. May we live in such a manner by loving one another and speaking that truth when we are called upon to do so. We thank you, Lord. We ask all these things in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Thank you, everyone, for joining me for this edition of Livestream Sunday School for Akron Alliance Fellowship Church in Akron, Ohio. We appreciate you being there and hanging with us there till the end. Uh, take care of yourselves. Stay tuned online on the Akron Alliance Fellowship Facebook page timeline for our church service at approximately 11 o'clock. We appreciate you being here. God bless you. Take care of yourselves. We'll see you next time.